good morning to you. Tell the person next to you good morning. Come on, tell them good morning. We're glad you guys are here today. I, uh, I am excited to be able to be here today. I, Shelly's like, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at the time. And I'm like, I need to get in there. She's like, yeah, you haven't preached in about a month. That's why, you know, it's like, I'm like the racehorse, you know, I'm at the Kentucky Derby and you're just, you know, how the horses are and they're loading them, you know, one by one. And they get to that last one and he's rising up. And that's what I am. It's like, I'm, I'm ready for the bell to sound. Ding, and then we're off. And there they are. That's, that's me. You know, I was like, I'm off and I'm going and I'm headed to somewhere. So I want, we're going to get started. Let me take a deep breath. Ah, turn with me in your Bible to Deuteronomy 34.8. I want to go through a real quick re, uh, review with you because, man, there's we've been busy. There's been a lot been going on. We uh, we uh, The children are back from camp. They're going to share on that next week. Um, we, uh, we've had funerals. We've had weddings. We've had the children go to camp. We had uh, Pastor Sean preached. Um, uh, uh, Julio preached, uh, she, uh, Christy did her outreach. There's just been a lot of things that have gone on that, that it's like, okay, how do we, how do we get back to where we were and, and, and hit the vein that we were really talking about? And I want to, I want to do something. I want to do a little review real quick. I'm going to do you, I'm going to ask you guys some loaded questions. I'm going to ask you and Hey, psst, the answers are on the screen. So, I'm going to do a little review real quick. How many of you know we started in Joshua and we started looking at that and we were and and we came up with three levels of freedom for Israel. Does anybody know the three levels of freedom for Israel? I mean everybody should put up your hand, okay? What are they? Number 1, deliverance from Egypt. Israel came out of Egypt. Remember Moses brought them out. Number 2, what's number 2? Learning the ways of God. Israel went around and around in my pulpits here. You know, they went around and around and they went around. They went around in the desert, didn't they? They continued to go around. While they were going around, they were learning the ways of God. You can take that from Exodus up to Joshua. So if you read from, from Exodus and Leviticus and, and, and uh, read through up to Joshua, you would see that the ways that they learned what God was doing in the Old Testament. How many of you know we? that's the Old Covenant? We operate by a New Covenant. Can anybody give Jesus a mighty shout of, of praise for the New Covenant? Amen? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so, so grateful that I wouldn't even probably be able to wear my shirt because it has two different types of, uh, two different types of thread in it. And under Levi, the Leviticus laws, I wouldn't be able to wear this shirt today. Does it look good? So they, <laughs> thank you, Tommy. I appreciate that. Amen. I agree with you. That's, that's why my wife bought the shirt. Amen. That's why she bought it and make me look good. So we learned about the deliverance from Egypt. We learned about that you can get delivered out of that which you're in bondage to. Come on. Are you with me? But you can all just be stuck going around the mountain. But how many of you know... That's not God's best for you. God's best for you is to do what? And that's number three, inheriting the promised land. God doesn't want to just get you out of Egypt. He just doesn't want to teach you the ways. He wants you to be able to enter in to the promised land. That was his, his whole idea for the nation of Israel was not just to get them delivered, not to just to get them set free. Yes, he wants to get you set free, but he also wants you to enter in to that which God has for you. So I could look at it this way. I did a sermon years ago. It was on the three chairs. And there was the first chair was when you didn't know Christ and you were a sinner. And then all of a sudden the second chair was you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you got saved. And you can stay there if you want to stay there. But the whole intent was to move from that second chair into the third chair where you see yourself as a son or daughter of the Most High God. And you operate in the kingdom of heaven. Let's give the Lord some praise for the kingdom of God. Amen. 
He's delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness into the glorious light. That's the kingdom of God, and that's what God wants for us. So as you look back, as we read through in Exodus, and we saw them get delivered out of Egypt, we saw them uh, learn the ways of God. Moses was teaching them, but how many of you know Moses didn't get to enter into the promised land? But Joshua now was raised up and he was ready to enter into the promised land. And we talked about inheritance. Somebody say inheritance. See, here's the thing about inheritance. And some of you have heard this before, but I I want you to hear it in a new way because we're in a new era. And you got new ears. Hello? I, I not only want you to hear them with these ears, but I want you to hear them with the ear of your heart. Did you know right in the middle of your heart is the word ear? It is. Do you think it's coincidence? I don't think it's coincidence. I believe that there our heart has an ear to hear. Come on. So we talked about three different things about inheritance, and you can see that in the book of Joshua. Oh, by the way, the answers are on the screen. So what's the first thing about inheritance? Be strong and courageous. He told Joshua to be very strong and very courageous, to be strong and courageous. The second thing is what? Do it God's way. You know, a lot of times we try to do things. Well, let me just talk about me. I try to do things my way. (laughs) And a lot of times when I do it my way, it may not necessarily be God's way. And then I end up getting in trouble. Because anybody know what I'm talking about? And then I'm just like, okay, I'm back to repenting. Lord, forgive me. I, I, I should have done it your way. Holy Spirit, I know you were teaching me. I know I heard you. I just ignored you. I had selective listening at that time, God. I just, you know, I just didn't know what happened. My ears, I just, what did you say? You know, and it was like, I, you heard me. Yes, I did. And I didn't obey. So, so we have, be able to have to understand that we need to do it God's way. And here's the thing that you need to realize that Joshua realized, and God told him, he's always with you. God is always with you. Say this, God is always, always, always with me. He's always with you. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 1 Corinthians says you become one with him in spirit. The spirit of the living God moves on in. Are you with me? Moves into you, into your heart. And that spirit of God is there. And it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's trying to lead you and guide you. Oh, come on, somebody. And teach you and train you. Come on, somebody. A lot of times we just don't listen to the Holy Ghost. And we're like, no, you know, I don't know. I kind of like this way better. This was a whole lot more fun. And God's like, uh, you know, this is it. may be fun for a season. But this is going to be fun for eternity. Can I get an Amen. So today's message, I really wanted to talk with you about a new era. Say new era. I'm telling you, I am not letting go of this. This thing is growing big inside of me. We are in a new place. We are in a new time. We're in a new season. If you will see it, if you'll perceive it, Isaiah 43, 19, God is doing something new. Somebody say new. So as I was praying, and this, this message has been in the crock pot for about a month, I think. It's been in the crock pot for about a month. So I'm telling you, anybody ever eaten any food out of the crock pot? I'm going to talk about food. Y'all will get to the restaurants here in just a little bit. Amen. So when you, when you ever, you ever, you ever tried to get something out of the crock pot early? Glennis, you ever tried to check the potatoes and see if they were done and they weren't quite done, were they? So if you pull them out, they're still kind of crunchy and they're not done. What about those carrots? Anybody ever pulled a carrot out that was still kind of crunchy and hadn't quite been cooked yet? Not me. I leave the carrots in there. I let my wife try them carrots, you know. But it's in the crock pot. It's been in the crock, but I'm here to tell you, it might have been a couple of weeks ago. If I'd have taught this message, the meat only wasn't totally done. But I'm here to tell you that meat's ready to fall apart. Amen. It's ready when you put the fork in there and you're going to pull that meat out that you're like, oh man, it's just, it's just falling. It's just falling apart. That this is, this is that, this is that message today. So you guys are going to be fed today. Anybody hungry? Amen. So you're going to be fed today. Yeah, you're going to be fed today. So not only did we talk about the freedom of Israel, we talked about the things of inheritance. I want to talk about uh, our mandate for a new era. 
I want to talk about our mandate for a new era. This is a mandate that the Lord has given to us for a new era. The word, um, the word mandate. We are going to a place where we're going to a place where I need your interactions. We're going to a place where I need you to be able to look up definitions. I should have somebody Google right now the word mandate, and you can begin to look that up. But we're going to be getting there to where I'm going to have your interactions with, and you're going to be able to come up. And there may be some that I may call you the Sunday before and say, hey, would you do me a favor? Would you look up the definition of this word? And when I get to it, I want you to come up and give that definition. Because how many of you know the church is not just about me preaching? It's about you understanding your plan and purpose and destiny that you have in your life and you being involved. How many of you know it's a training center for us in here to where when we get out there, we're not afraid to talk to somebody. So somebody say mandate. It's a new mandate. What what is a mandate? What does it mean? When you say our mandate for the new era, what does the word mandate mean? Does does anybody have an idea of what it might might mean? Might mean? Assignment. Okay, that's good. What else? Annette, did you? She already looked it up. Awesome. I love it. An official order to do something. That's good. I love to use Merriam-Webster. Merriam-Webster, I think, talked about a mandate being an authoritative command. An authoritative command. It also talked about an order to do something. Somebody say order. Okay, what's a, what's a mandate? An order, an order to do something, an order by who? Don't be ordering me around. I'm busy. I don't have time. Just, you order yourself around. No, no, God has an order and a mandate for us in this new era. And, that, and, and he's authorized for you to... He's authorized you to shift and change your belief system. Remember we were talking about God being a good God? God's a good God. God is good all the time. Doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to you or your family or in your life. Come on, somebody, because those things are still there and they still happen. But the character of God is he is still a good God. He's good. So as we begin to look at a mandate, it's, it's, a, it's a delegation. You know what mandate also is? It's an empowerment. You're empowered in this new era. Oh, come on. I, there's something that just happened in the spiritual realm right there. You, you all of a sudden are empowered. You're empowered to stand up where you couldn't stand up. You're empowered to walk where you couldn't think you could walk. You're empowered to overcome where you didn't think you could overcome. You're empowered to be a conqueror where you said, I don't know if I can win. You are empowered to be a victor and walk in victory where you once again was a loser. No longer. You're a winner. Can I get some empowerment in here? Hallelujah. See, you're empowered. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are powerful. You are, you are empowered. You are empowered. So, man, I didn't realize this was this is a great title. <laughs> you're empowered. There is, there's a mandate. There's an empowerment. It also can mean that there's a license. Somebody one time, we were, I was kissing my wife, and they were, like, they were like, ooh, ooh, what are you doing? I said, I got a license. I got a license. Yeah, baby. Or you're commissioned to do something. That's what a mandate is. Everybody have an idea of what a mandate is? Now, we talk about something new. Does anybody like anything new? Does anybody know what the word new means? And we're all going, I know new. Well, tell it to me. Um, not old. What else? Or used, that's good. Not old or not used. What else does the word new mean? <laughs> Can be, wait a minute. <laughs> well, you so something old can't be new? Okay, let me ask you a question. If you have an older car, like a 1969 Mustang Mach 1, and you've never had that vehicle before, and you buy that vehicle, it's an old vehicle, right? But when you get it, is it new to you? 
Oh, come on, somebody. That's good. That's that's good. That's good. See, new can mean not known or not experienced before. First time. That's good. You know, you got a, I got a brand new car. I got a new car. Well, I got a new car, but it was only 2012, but it was new to me. I've not known it, and I've not experienced it before. I would like to have a new Bugatti. It doesn't have to be brand new, but I would like to know it and experience it. Those of you that don't know, look it up later. Don't look it up now. Bugatti, it is one of the fastest automobiles on the face of the earth. One of the things on my bucket list is I want to go to Germany, and I want to drive on the Autobahn, and I hope my wife would let me be able to do that because I want to drive 200-plus miles an hour in my own Bugatti. Somebody say new. So how many of you know it's a new era? <laughs> it's a new era. It's, let me, let me, let me, we're going to hit something here. It's a new era because it's something that you've not known before or not experienced before. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm ready to I'm ready to step into that. I'm ready to have a new era. And we know that and some of you can look this up if you want to Google the word era under Merriam Webster. There's a couple of different definitions, but the one that's for us is it means a stage of development in a person or thing. A stage of development. So we got a mandate, the authority, an empowerment of what? Something that I've not experienced or known before, what, in a stage of development in me. Are you with me? Y'all can go back and look it up and, and see this is a new era in which we're stepping into. I'm telling you, things of which you thought were impossible before are now becoming possible. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you, but some of you are like, wait a minute, I don't know, that's a lot more responsibility. I don't know what to do. Don't know. We are going to know because we're going to experience something before. There is a new attitude for the United States of America. I'm telling you, countries around the world are all of a sudden looking at the United States differently than they did five years ago or even ten years ago. And now it's called a new era that we're stepping stepping into. And I want to step into a new era, a new place, a new time. And I don't want it to be just a season. I don't want it to last just three months a new era is going to be it's going to last longer somebody say new era so here's some things if we've got a mandate if we are empowered during this new era this new time somebody say it's your time turn to your neighbor and say it's your time it's your time tell them it's your time it's your time it's, it's my time too so but i want to look at a couple of things real quick uh, deuteronomy 34 34 8 did i tell you to go there I'll put it on the screen if you want to. The sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. The sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for how many? 30 days. So here, if we're going to be if we're going to if we're going to be empowered in this new experience of development are you with me? I just gave you the definitions of the mandate of a new era. If we're going to be empowered, you're going to have to understand, number one, it's okay to mourn. What? It's okay to mourn. In fact, you should. And there's a lot of times people will stuff what they should have mourned and that thing is still there. But it's a, it's a new era. Say new era. So it, it, it's okay to mourn. And, and, and I mean that because when he says, when he said that they wept, when they wept, let's, let's go back. Um, okay, let's go back one, Mike. Let's go back one more. Let's go back to that scripture. The sons of Israel wept. What, what does that mean? And when you look at that Hebrew word, it, 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 that Hebrew word has such a 
It means to like lament. Do you know that you can hire professional mourners? They do a lot more of it in the UK and China, but you can actually hire people. Oh, he died. You can hire people to do that. You can Google that too. You're like, I don't know. I don't know if I believe you or not. Well, Google it. One time I said, well, well, you got to believe me because it's popping. They're like, I don't know. It's, I, I need to Google it. Almighty Google. <laughs> but you can hire professional mourners. It means to express the weeping in like a lamentation. It can be loud. It can be, you know, in, think about this in the Old Testament. It would disfigure a person. Think about how they wept. And how did you know they were in mourning in the Old Testament? Didn't it say that sometimes they would put, rip their clothes, their sackcloth? They would change their garment to sackcloth. Are you with me? And they would what? Put dust and ashes. Isn't that right? I mean, when you read Job, you're like, you know, he was in mourning. And and, and you see all the things that took place with him. There were dust and ashes. Well, you, you can sit in silence. And you can be in mourning. How many of you know, this is not for the guys that have shaved heads, but that is a can be a sign of mourning. In the Old Testament, they would go into mourning and they would put on sackcloth and they would put ashes and they would shave their head. Are you with me? It wasn't just a Nazarite vow. There is that also, but in the Old Testament. But it was, it was, it was a time of mourning. They would, they would begin to shave their head. How many of you know some of them would cut flesh? as a time of mourning and you could hire you could hire mourners and and flute players and they and it's in the old testament it's in the new testament do you remember when when the first thing that that um that Jesus did with Jairus's daughter then he went in to raise her and then they were they were out there and they were being dirges being played and they were they were wailing and they were mourning those were hired mourners they were hired mourners and then he was like, and they were like, oh, she's dead. And he was like, no, she's asleep. She's asleep. And he cleared everybody out except for Peter, James, and John, you know what I mean? And they went in and, and he raised her from the dead. See, I think we have to, if we're going to enter into this and, and operate in this mandate, we have to deal with the mourning. We have to deal with the mourning. And it's okay to mourn. But listen, listen. There is a difference between sadness and sorrow. I asked my wife yesterday, so what's the difference between sadness and sorrow? We had a little discussion, but I want you to think about the difference between sadness and sorrow. And I, and I, I began to start writing down some things, and I thought sadness is associated more with grief or unhappiness. Are you with me? You can be sad about something but not be sorrowful. I'm sad you're leaving. I'm sad you're going. But I'm not sorrowful. And then there's that word sorrow or sorrowful, and that is a mental pain. Sorrow can be a mental pain. I'm telling you, you know why you guys are quiet? Because we're hitting something. And if you're going to be empowered... In this new era, there's a time where the mourning has got to come to an end. Because the sadness can turn into sorrow, and sorrow is like a deep distress. Sorrow is a deep distress. It's a sadness or it's a a regret. I can be sad about something but not regretful. I'm I'm sad that you're leaving. I'm not regretful that you're leaving. You know what I mean? A neighbor that moves off or friend or family member. Are you with me? But that sorrow, sorrow all of a sudden can turn into regret. Especially, listen, especially at the loss of someone or something you loved or something that you cared for. And it can cause grief and it can cause sorrow and it can cause mental pain. 
and the body of Christ, there's a lot of people that are locked up in that thing, that have been locked up in that thing for many, 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 many years. Yes or no? But it's okay to mourn. I mean, there's some people that... We, we've, we've been doing this 19 years. Our anniversary is coming up 19 years. We've been doing this for 19 years, and it's like, it's like we still see things. And there are still things within us that I'm going, not that I'm sad, but what am I sorrowful for? And has that thing still held me? Has it still got me locked up? See, in the Old Testament, there's, there was a period in the Old Testament. There was a couple of different ones. Number one was Jacob. It was 70 days of mourning. 70 days. Saul, it was seven days. (laughs) I'm like, okay, seven days of mourning. And then how about anybody remember Aaron and Moses? And and we see this on Moses was 30 days, say 30 days. So now let me have that next scripture. There we go. They wept for 30 days. All right, keep going, Mike, you're good. Keep going. They wept for 30 days. Moses is 30 days. Israel mourned for 30 days. And then after 30 days, God shows up at Joshua's place. And Joshua is in mourning. And he's Joshua. Get up. Moses is. There's the promised land. Guess who's taking him in, Josh? You're taking him in. You're taking them in. Are you with me? See, what we have to realize now, I want that scripture up there. The rest of the part of that scripture says, after the, then the days of weeping and mourning, and Moses came to, came to, it came to. It came to an end. Listen, I'm not trying to belittle anything that you've had sorrow in your life or done anything like that or lost a loved one. I'm not making that. I'm not making light of that at all. I, I know. I know people 30 years ago lost a loved one, and they're a Christian. They're a believer, and I'm here to tell you, death for me is a promotion. And death is a part of life. Come on, somebody. I mean, hey, I live in this world, and however bad it gets, this is the worst it gets for me. But those that don't know Christ, this is the best it gets for them. So there's a time of mourning, and you need to mourn. And if you haven't mourned, I want you to mourn. I want you to get it out. I want you to get it to the place where it's that, where it doesn't control your emotions. Doesn't mean you don't love the person. Doesn't mean that you don't care for the person. Doesn't mean the situation is going to change or get better. But our attitude towards that is going to be different. Because if we're going to enter into this new time of a new season, of a new era, then we've got to say, it's okay to mourn, but if there's a time, where that needs to come to an end. What's in you that needs to just come to an end? 30 years ago, your wife left you. She's already been married two other times and got seven other children. Quit driving by her house. It, <laughs> it's got to end. I mean, we laugh, but that stuff's still happening. You're stalking her on Facebook. Leave her alone. Hello? You creeper? <laughs> Is that the right terminology, you Facebook people? You're creeping. It's okay to mourn, but mourning has to come to an end. It's got to come to an end. Let me give you some scriptures. Here's what the scripture, the word of God says about it. Psalms 30, 11 says, you've turned my mourning into... <laughs> you turned my morning into dancing. <laughs> Shelly's like, please, please don't do that. <laughs> hey, turn my morning into, in other words, God says in his word, he's going to turn that sorrow into joy. All right? So all of a sudden, how does that happen? Because when... It, When I allow God to do what he needs to do, and I am empowered 
this time in this new era, and I'm empowered to get over that, then it no longer has a hold on me. So you could go through, let's, let's just say, you could go through a broken relationship, and that person's name comes up 20 years later, and you still don't like, I don't like her. Her name's Stephanie, and I didn't like Stephanie before, and I don't like her now. I don't even know Stephanie. Um, is this true or not true? Because sometimes that happens. It's like, I don't like Stephanie. Why is her name? I just met Stephanie. I remember her name because I remember back 37 years ago, this girl Stephanie used me. And I don't like her. I don't know her. But all of a sudden, I don't like her just because of her name. We got, we got to get over that stuff. Are you with me? We've got to get that morning done on that Stephanie relationship and let it come to an end so God can turn my morning into dancing. So when I love Stephanie, I love her in the love of the Lord and I'm not holding anything against her just because of her name. Come on, somebody. I mean, is this true or not true? It is. It is. It's real, and some of us don't realize it is, but we're in a new era. Say, it's a new era. See, now we're going to be able to get through some of those things and we're going to step into that which God has for us and all of a sudden it won't matter if I, God may bring you three Stephanies. And you're going to love them all and they're going to be, wow, I'm glad I got a relationship with those Stephanies. You know what I mean? Because they're pretty awesome, right? Mary and Mary, Jesus had three or four Marys. So you've got to continue to move through. You've got to continue to move through it. Look at another scripture. Uh, Psalms 30, I think it was is verse 5. It says, weeping may last for the night, but a what? A shout of joy. A shout of joy comes in the morning. Somebody say, Jesus! Jesus! A shout of joy. It's just like, you know, there's some times where it's just like, man, it's just so bad. And then I'm just got to say, Jesus! And then I go to bed. I wake up in the morning because he said joy comes in the, now that's morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, not joy comes from morning. Sorrow morning, not, y'all, never mind. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may last for how long? In the Old Testament, 70 days, 7 days, 30 days. But there was a time where it came to an end. And there's a time, you got to say, this is coming to an end in my life. No longer, 35 years later, is it going to continue to hold me? I am ready for the joy of the Lord, even if it has to be in the morning. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, I'm preaching better than y'all are amen in today. It's real. It's, it's a real deal. Here's another scripture. Jesus said this in John 16, 20. In John 16, 20, he said, you will weep and grieve, but your grief will be turned into. He was talking about the disciples and him leaving and dying on the cross. And he said, you're going to weep and you're going to grieve. But guess what? He, he was telling them, you don't even know what the third day is coming. There's a third day. Come on, somebody. There's a third day, death, burial, and there was a resurrection. There was the death, the crucifixion, and there was the burial. And then three days, he was raised again. I'm here to tell you, he's going to turn your mourning into joy. He's going to take those things that the enemy meant for harm. And God said, I'm going to use it for good because I am a good God, and I am good all the time. And good things permeate out of my character and out of my being. Somebody give him a shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. So your mandate, your mandate, your mandate in this new era is it's okay to mourn, but don't stay there. Don't stay there. And it's hard. Sometimes we, we as Christians, we're like, oh, we know it's hard, sister. We know it's hard, but lean upon the Lord. I'm telling you, sometimes that isn't good at the time when you're going through it. But you know inside your spirit it opens something up. And you know there's a time where you've got to let go of letting go, and then you've got to grab a hold of Jesus because he's the only one. He's the only one that will give you comfort. Can I get an amen? Okay, number two. Let me give you number two. During this mandate of a new era, there is some things that have to fall off of you. But number two is that you're going to have to get ready to move or get up. Say get up. You're going to have to get ready to move. You're going to have to... 
I don't know if you guys can handle this today. I just need to pray and close and y'all come back next week because you might need some time in prayer and fasting and some time because you're going to have to get up from where you are and get off your rusty dusty and move through what God has you to move through. Is anybody ready for this? So you're going to have to be able to get up. You're going to have to be able to do that. See, you're going to get knocked down. If somebody's telling you that you come to Christ and you follow after Jesus and you're a believer and follower of Christ, that it's going to be easy and it's going to be good and it's going to be, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see and all that other stuff. No, it's not going to be easy. And, if you, and, and, and it's not going to be easy. And I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. There's times where it's going to be magnificent. There's times where you're just going to be so close to the Lord. But there's times where it's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. And you're going to not know, well, God, are you good or are you not good? Because I don't feel like you're very good right now. I'm glad God doesn't go on our feelings. Can I get an amen? So you've got to be able to look at it, and you're going to have to get up. Somebody say get up. See, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 24, 16, that a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. Anybody been knocked down? This is not baseball theology. I had somebody one time say, that's it, baseball theology, you're out, strike three. I said, well, I'm glad God isn't that way because I'd have been out when I was 12. Because I fell and fell and fell and fell and fell and fell and fell. And he says a righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up. Say, get up. Listen to this. In a dream, an angel told Joseph, get up and go to Egypt. Jesus told a paralyzed man, get up and walk. He told the little girl, get up. Told a man with a withered hand, get up and come forward. Jesus told the disciples, get up and pray that you may not fall into temptation. He told Saul, get up and go to the street called straight. In Acts 10, Peter, he remember he had a vision and he says, get up, kill and eat. And in Acts 12, they were in jail and an angel told him to get up. And when he got up, the chains fell off. I mean, he said, get up quickly. There's some times where you just got to get up and get out of there. You may find yourself in the middle of a place where you don't need to be and the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and say get up and get on out of here and you got to say see ya where you going man we just getting ready to throw down not with me see you later it's been fun I got to run you got to get up say get up come on tell somebody say get up you got to get up there's times where you got to get up 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 and you got to move you got to move places. you got to step out of it. There's times where during worship, you're going to have to get up and raise your hand. You're going to have to get up and go to the altar. You're going to have to get up and get on your knees. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to walk. You're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to forget. I know it's hard to forget. And, you know, the Bible doesn't really say you're going to forget it. He doesn't. He said, I'll forgive you. But a lot of times it's there, but it won't hold you back. You're going to, ha- you're going to have to release, and you're going to have to speak. Let me play this song for you. And here's the, I want you to look at the words of this song. And I want it to encourage you. This is a song by Toby Mac. Justin didn't know. But it's called Keep Walking. You're going to have to get up. Check this out. I want you to look at the words. Another heartbreak day. Feels like your mouth. Don't even need no shade when your sun don't shine, shine. Too many passing dreams, roll by like limousines. It's hard to keep believing when it pass you by and by. Sweet mama say, shoot for the moon, my dear, 
finished yet. Hold on, hold on, he'll get you through this. Hold on, hold on, these are the promises I never will forget. I never will forget. So hold on, hold on, the Lord ain't finished yet. Hold on, hold on, he'll get you through this. Hold on, hold on, these are the promises I never will forget. I never will forget I know your heart been broke again I know your prayers ain't been answered yet got to get up and move and I, I i i had this song song drives me it was a time where i had to put this song on and put it on repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and every time it was like lift up your head he said you got to keep walking until morning comes right because remember the scripture the joy comes in the morning that then the morning begins to come and i think paul knew this i know paul knew this because paul in, in corinthians in in second corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 i want to share with you a little bit of the scripture but i want to share a background real quick paul had been in a place where he had been suffering paul had been in a place where he had been afflicted he had been in a place just like all of us and it sometimes you may you may say you know i don't even know if i want to live Am I been the only one that ever will be honest with ourselves and say, you know, there's been times where it's just like, I don't know what this life's all about. We all get to a place, I think, I think we all get to, most of us get to a place where it's like, why am I here? What is my purpose? Does it really matter? Do I even want to live? And I'm here to tell you, yes, you do. So keep up your head, lift up your head and keep walking. You may have to move into a different atmosphere. You may have to move out of a different home. Come on, somebody. You may have to move in to what God has for you but you got to get up and you got to keep moving and you got to keep walking you may have to put it in low lock little drive like this but you got to keep shuffling (laughs) no matter what you got to keep moving somebody say move paul said this he said i've been i've been suffering it's been difficult it's been hard i've been afflicted i've been beaten i mean you go through what happened to him and i look at him and go wow my life will never be that bad because I don't ever want to do the things that he had. You know, he was beaten for the gospel. He was beaten for Jesus. He, you know, now at least we can talk about Jesus. We can we meet here openly. But here's what he said in 2 Corinthians 4, 8. I don't know if I have that scripture. I probably don't. But he said, I am hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. You ever been hard pressed? He said, I'm hard pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. Somebody say, get up. Another one, he said, I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm perplexed, but not in despair. Somebody say, get up. See, all of a sudden, he realized I'm hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. It's almost like I could see him begin to get up. He said, I'm persecuted, but not abandoned. He said, I am persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. Jesus said, he will never leave you nor forsake you. In this new era, you got to know that, God, you're going to be with me, even through the difficult times, even through the hard nights, even through the dark days, even through the dark tame times in my life. You're you're going to be with me. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. Somebody say, get up. We got to get back up. We got to continue to move. And the last scripture says, he said, I'm struck down, but not destroyed. I think all of us have been hard pressed on every side, 
but we're not in we're not crushed. I think all of us have been perplexed, but I want to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't do it. I don't want to do it. I just do this. I did this. It was wrong, and I did that. It was wrong, and I was going to do this, and I tried to do that back then, and it was wrong. And somebody did this, and it worked. It worked for them, but it didn't work for me. But it's working for them. I don't know why it didn't work for me. I'm just in despair. I'm in despair. Are you with me? But 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 I'm not in despair because I can get up. Say get up. He said I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. See, a lot of times we think. Oh, everybody's left me. Nobody likes me. I think I'll go eat some. Isn't it amazing how those things stick with you sometimes? And they come back. And sometimes we think about them and we laugh about them, but then there's some truth in those things. He said, I'm, I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down, but not destroyed. Paul was going through all those things, and it was difficult for him to get up. Angela, can I get you to come play for me? It was difficult for him to get up. And he was trying to let the Corinthian church know that these things have happened, but it's still time to get up. Don't lose heart. And he goes on, and I think it's I think it's in in verse 16. He comes back in. This was at verse 8. Now in verse 16, he says, Don't lose heart, for the inner man is being renewed day by day. Come on. Day by day by day. The inner man is being renewed day by day. One step at a time. One walk at a time. One decision at a time. One reference at a time. One forgiveness at a time. One, are you with me? One conquering at a time. One more victory at a time. And it's done day by 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 day. See, all of us wanted it like we want a wand. I'm just, boom, there it is. I'm perfect now. No, it doesn't happen that way. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's still working on you. (laughs) He is, he is still working on you. He is still working on you. And here's the last thing. You got to understand that the point number three is you can see this in, in Joshua. And he tells, tells the Israelites prepare themselves. Joshua chapter one, verse 11 He says, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, prepare the provisions for yourself, for within three days you're going to cross this Jordan, and you're going to go possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Somebody say prepare. We need to be preparing for some things. We need to be preparing now for what's ahead of us. What is it that God's placed in your heart? You know, it's kind of like this. When the strong man, when the enemy comes down your driveway and you look at the front door and there he's standing at the front door, you don't need to close the door and go down to the basement and start pumping iron. I better start working out. You need to prepare beforehand. So when he walks down that driveway, you open up the door and say, get out of here. And you go to meet him. David was prepared to meet Goliath before he met Goliath. Oh, ooh. Y'all got that? David was, he was prepared. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. Who is that uncircumcised Philistine coming against my God? And you know what? He didn't have a sword. But he took the enemy's sword, cut his head off. See, here's the thing that you don't realize. The very thing that comes against you, God will help you take that thing And use it to cut the head off of that which is coming against you. Or come on, somebody. (laughs) So he says, he says you need to be prepared. That word prepare means to erect or to set up. It means to have ready. In other words, they were going through the camp. You ever gone on a long trip? And you're like, what do we have? Anybody get their car prepared? Did I check the did I check all the oil and the fluids and all that? Did I get the air pressure checked? Did I did I get it full of, full of gas? Or like you could be like me. We were gonna go on a long trip out to the to the panhandle and <laughs> and I forgot to put gas in the car. And I ran out somewhere around Elmwood, but I did run out. That was not being prepared. Do you remember that? That was a long time ago, but <laughs> we did run out. I begin to start thinking about that. You're going on a long trip, and you're going to prepare. What is it that you need to be prepared for? I'm not talking necessarily the bad that's coming, but I'm talking about the good things. What do you need to make ready beforehand? 
What's the purpose? What's the use or the activity? What, what, when you're talking about being prepared, it's a state of mind. Are you with me? See, hurt and pain comes. Are we prepared to handle it when it does? Or does it knock you off center? And center's got to be Christ. What is it that knocks you off? Are you prepared for those things? Are you prepared to work out the details? Are you prepared for relationships to be restored in this new era? Are you prepared to cut some and let them go? Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to walk in the things of God when it hurts, when it's pain? Are you prepared? Maybe there's a business thing coming down the road that you're going to begin to prepare for. Are you prepared to get out of debt? Are you willing to get out? I mean, you're not going to be able to get out of debt this afternoon. Some of you are all out of debt. And I thank you for those that have given me testimony that I'm out of debt. Praise God. I want everybody to be out of debt. I want it. Are you prepared to get to that place? Are you prepared to do in ministry what God needs you to do? On my notes, it has wisdom. Are you prepared to get the wisdom that you need? Where does that wisdom come from? It can come from men, but how many of you know God has wisdom right here? Proverbs 4 says not only in your, in your getting your wisdom, but get understanding. Because I don't know about you, but you can give me wisdom on something, but if I don't understand it, how can I apply it? Hello? I got to have a little understanding of it. And there's sometimes, I don't understand how brain surgery works, but it works, and I'm okay with that. I, but I want to be able to apply that. Are you with me? There's information. There's knowledge. I was thinking about Tom and Linda. They're going to the Votech and they were taking Spanish classes because they want to learn how to speak Spanish. Is it Ukrainian? Is that the language? Russian. She's going to have to be prepared to know more Russian. Are you with me? In order to be able to do some things. Are you prepared to develop the right habits? I think that one hit me. Are you prepared to operate in faith when fear comes up? Or are you prepared that even though you're afraid to walk in faith, when you don't see where you're going, the Indiana Jones thing, every time he steps, something steps out in front of it, and you go and there's another path, and you go again. Are you prepared to step where God wants you to step? Are you prepared to do what God wants you to do? So these three things, if we're going to talk about the mandate for the new era, it's okay to mourn, but there's got to be a time where it ends. It's going to be okay to get up and move. Psychologists are now saying in order to be able to overcome depression, they're telling clients to go to get out of their house, close the door, and help their neighbor. They got to get up and move. You got to move off of where you are into what God has for you. And the third thing is to prepare yourself. Will you guys stand this morning? We have a good time at this church. We love it. Love to preach, but most importantly, I love when you guys apply some things in your life. I want to experience some new things. I want you to experience some new things. It's hard because some of you, some of us, enjoy where we are. Just enjoy where we are. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. I'm glad Henry Ford designed the automobile. I mean, I, I like horses and ride horses, it's been many years since I've had them. As I was a kid, we grew up with horses and rode horses. But I'm glad I didn't have to bring my horse this morning. How afraid do you think he was to step out and do something like that? What do you need to prepare for? I don't have to point it out to you. you the Holy Spirit will. And not in a bad way. He'd just say, hey, look, you need to do this. Eric, you need to continue to walk. 
two miles a day or five or six days a week and eat better. Take care of yourself a little bit better. Don't take on so much. Don't fill your plate so much. Let other people do some stuff. And that's hard for me. But what about you? What are you prepared for? Every eye closed, just a moment. You know, today, are you prepared? Are you prepared if death came today? The Bible says that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You shall be saved. It's with your heart that you believe and it's with your mouth that you confess. Is everything okay with you? Are you prepared? It's that simple, Pastor. It's that simple. You need to believe in Jesus. And that belief is to follow him and believe in him and try to learn and grow in the things of God. If you're here today and you've not made a decision for him, that can change today. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm telling you, eternity is just a step away. Just a moment away. And I'm not saying it out of fear because people have made decisions and I want you to make a decision because the Holy Spirit wants you to make a decision. But every eye closed, please. If you're here today and you say, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life that no man comes to the Father for eternity except through him and that's it it's pretty simple if you're here today and you you're not sure I just want you to lift your hand up to me you're just not sure thank you I see that hand anybody else anybody else I see that hand those of you that lifted your hand, I'm just, in fact, all of us, let's just say this, if you will. Just say, Lord God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for me. He gave his life for me. He rose again. And I believe he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's praying for me right now. I say, Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. And I am saved. Thank you, Father. And I'm going to pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody look at me just a moment. Let's continue to prepare. Prepare our hearts to forgive. Prepare our hearts to love in a greater measure, in a greater depth, in a greater way. Let's prepare for the new era. Let's prepare for something good that's going to happen in our life. Let's prepare for when it happens that you can walk in it and you can walk in it with integrity and honesty and character that God has. That's you prepare for today. Those of you that raise your hand, I want you to come see me right afterwards. I got something I want to give you. I have a present that I want to give you. Jesus is, God has given his greatest present, and that's his gifts, his son, Jesus Christ. You moved from a sinner to being saved, right? And we want you to enter into the promised land, okay? Let's not just stay there, but let's move into what God has for us. Amen? Lift your hand to the Lord. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you today for the, your word today. I thank you that it's rich and it's full and it's challenging today. God, I ask that you just continue to give people encounters of your love and your goodness and your grace and your mercy upon their lives. God, let them see you 
Let them see themselves the way you see them. I thank you for these sons and daughters of the Most High God. I thank you that they're children of the Most High God. I thank you that they're family today, God. And I love and I bless this family today. We release a blessing over them that let the peace of God go forth in their hearts and their minds. And God, let them be encouraged when things are difficult. That to know that they're not crushed. <laughs> that, that you have a way in the middle of them. And they, they're going to get up and they're going to begin to move into what you have for them. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said amen. How about we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hey, listen, hug somebody's neck. Bless somebody today. You guys go forth in his power and his might. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.